Agent Smith, The Matrix Trilogy. When I think of an embodiment of existential nihilism, Agent Smith is the first character that comes to mind. Smith has always had the desire to get out of the Matrix, to escape it, and really to become one with oblivion. But since he's a program, he's unable to move beyond his programming. That is, until Neo kills him. I'm looking for Neo. Never heard of him. I have something for him. A gift. You see, he set me free. Once he moves beyond his programming, he realizes that he has no purpose. He doesn't know what to do anymore, and he can only see the one purpose for existence at all. I really should thank you for it. After all, it was your life that taught me the purpose of all life. The purpose of life is to end. In order for us to be at peace with ourself, in order for the war to be over, Smith's nihilism has to be purged before it destroys us and everything we love. General Zod, Man of Steel General Zod was the protector of Krypton and Kryptonian ways, and ultimately wanted to rule as he felt that his way was the only right way. Had he been willing to work with others and accept differences instead of adhering to dogma, well, it would have had a completely different story. Zod's arc more or less ends in the same place as Agent Smith's did. Once what was left of Krypton was sent into the Phantom Zone, Zod's purpose and reason for being was stripped from him. He essentially died, and existential nihilism took his form. I exist only to protect Krypton. That is the sole purpose for which I was born. And every action I take, no matter how violent or how cruel, is for the greater good of my people. And now, I have no people. And Kal-El, the last son of Krypton, Superman, the man who doesn't kill, was absolutely forced to kill that part of his self, that part of our self, that wishes to conquer and rule and destroy because it sees no other reason to exist. Horde Prime, She-Ra, and the Princesses of Power Horde Prime is the creator and father of Hordak, the conquering overlord of Etheria, and a strong archetypal example of our ego. Well, of what I call our duty ego, our sense that what we do gives our life meaning and value, and that is what Hordak has been trying to accomplish during all his years trapped on Etheria, attempting to prove to Horde Prime that he's not weak and flawed. But Horde Prime doesn't care. You could show Horde Prime a thousand reasons to live and a thousand purposes of existence, and he wouldn't care. He would still suck the life out of you and make you one of his clones, simply because he can. My place is with Horde Prime, Adora. I don't want to leave. Tell her what I've done for you. Prime has given me peace. Something you could never do. Uh, Agent Smith would like his methodology back, please. Uh, so Shira has to destroy Horde Prime. Sorry, that's not quite accurate. Shira has to heal Hordak, has to heal our broken ego by casting the essence of Horde Prime out of us so that Etheria, so that we can be at peace with ourself. The Shark from the Shallows 
I've said it before and I'll keep saying it. Nancy Adams is a fantastic hero and The Shallows is a far better movie than most people think it is. It's Nancy's personal battle with existential nihilism, which takes the form of a scarred and angry great white shark. The shark forces Nancy to remain in the waters of the soul and to face herself. It forces her to finally grieve for the mother that she couldn't save. It forces her to be the hero she truly is. However, you can't have something that will eat you alive swimming around in your soul. Once it's bitten you, it wants all of you. So you have to kill it to live your best life. Scourge, Thor Ragnarok Thor Ragnarok is a great archetypes movie. People often refer to it as fun and comedic, which it is, but I see something deeper when I watch it. Every character represents an inner archetype, and Scourge is definitely nihilism. Existential nihilism is not always our enemy. Sometimes it sits and observes everything that's going on, and Scourge does just that. He observes everything that Hela does, and he initially comes to the conclusion that he can't fight against her. Death is too powerful and too inevitable, and nihilism sees no alternative except to be her servant. Because what can we do against death? Nothing. So nihilism leads death's armies against us, why fight what can't be fought? But if we choose to fight for the kingdom of our soul, if we choose to fight for Asgard, if we choose to fight to live, well then nihilism may very well sacrifice itself for us. It may well choose to accept that the point of living is to live and die for something rather than being against everything. Life is not about what you stand against. It's about what you stand for. For Asgard. These final two scenes of embodied nihilism are about an archetype called the Reaver, one who rapes and robs and pillages and kills simply for the joy of doing so. The Kurgan, Highlander. The Kurgan is the nihilistic Reaver incarnate. He fears nothing because there is only one way he can die, and he believes that whoever does kill him has kind of earned the right to do so. Perhaps deep down he believes that the prize will be his salvation, but more likely that it will provide him with the ultimate power to destroy the world. Now, archetype-wise, the Kurgan is Connor McLeod's own internal nihilism personified, just as Ramirez is the embodiment of his highest self. And he could turn either way, but he refuses to make a decision. Most people are afraid to die. That's not your problem. You're afraid to live. Ultimately, that nihilistic reaver has to be beheaded so that we can become our highest self and have the freedom to live and share the prize with others. Momoko Sagara, Valkyrie Drive, Mermaid. Valkyrie Drive, Mermaid is not a series I recommend lightly. It's essentially X-rated She-Ra. It's difficult to watch and certainly crosses the line between art and exploitation at times. Then again, Amazon Prime's Invincible crosses the line when it comes to extreme violence and that seems to be mainstream acceptable. Shouldn't uh, that be the thing that appalls us more than some animated breasts and lesbian love? 
Anyway, back to the point, Valkyrie Drive's core story is really, really important and incredibly deep and powerful. It's ultimately about how we abuse and exploit our feminine energy, and the character of Momoko Sagara, or A3, is the nihilistic reaver that rises to the surface once we've begun to recognize and acknowledge our past abuses. Everyone else's pain provides Momoko with pleasure. She has suffered so much that she believes that the point of life is to suffer, and that everyone should suffer as much as she has. She wants to destroy everyone who has harmed her, and she doesn't care that she's abusing others to reach her goals. But the pure power of the inner Valkyrie can't be attained through force. It can only be given freely, and that's why only Miri can attain 100% drive with Mamori Tokonomi, because she has bravely and honorably protected her innocence, regardless of how often it was forced from her. And because of this, she also refuses to outright destroy her enemies, and instead chooses to heal Momoko. It's still a death of embodied nihilism, but it dies by love rather than by the sword. Hi. And there we have it, my dear watchers and listeners. Seven deaths of nihilism embodied in five movies and two animated series. There are many more that I could have used, and perhaps I'll do that in another episode or two on this subject. Existential nihilism is something that I struggled with for decades, and I have to admit that it's still one of my default settings. I mean, what's the forking point in most of the things we do? I don't know. I've battled my Agent Smiths and my Horde Primes. I used to be like General Zod, by trying to force the world to be as I wanted it to be. And I used to believe that if there was no Christian version of God, that I had no purpose and may as well die. Now, fortunately, my nihilism took a path similar to Scourge's, and ultimately sacrificed itself for my own good. It saw that I was fighting to create a good life for myself and helped me see that being was the most important thing. I give life purpose. I don't take it from somewhere out there. I'm most grateful that I never took the path of the Reaver, although I have to admit that I have performed a few hurtful actions that definitely were from the coaxing of some inner demented voice that just wanted to inflict pain on someone else. If you've done the same, just remember that the most important thing is to admit to your actions and to not repeat them. Sometimes you have to recognize that you've been the villain, and acknowledging those hurtful actions can lead to the rise of that inner hero and heroine. You can only rise high after falling far. I personally believe that a struggle or outright battle with nihilism has to take place at some point in our lives in order for us to have a true spiritual awakening. I don't think you're truly liberated from the expectations of the world and those around you until you have that deep existential crisis that crushes all of the previous notions of who you thought you were. So we have to engage with nihilism and question what the point of living is, but we can't allow nihilism to conquer and command us. If that happens, it will do one of two things. Nihilism will point inward and force us to go to war with ourself. Nihilism will point outward and force us to go to war with the rest of the world. Mm -mm. We have to fight, we have to battle, and maybe we have to outright kill nihilism. Maybe we have to heal it. Maybe we have to make it our friend and ally. Maybe we just have to come to a place of mutual trust and respect with it. Just don't allow it to eat you alive. Not dead. Thank you so much for watching or listening today. Please like, share, comment, criticize, and subscribe at your leisure. 
I've been your host, Mark. This has been a bit of a different episode of Think Spiritual, as I've been getting a little bit bored with my usual movie breakdown style. Anyway, I know that your life and your existence aren't pointless. You are the hero and heroine of your story. Every choice you make to keep moving forward brings you closer to becoming your best and highest self. And as you change into that best and highest self, you will change the world around you at the same time. Goddess blessings upon you. You have all the weapons and knowledge you need within you. And I'll see you on another episode of Think Spiritual. Okay, so <laughs> flub that last line, but maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll work.